On today's Stuncast, we review Mirror Mirror. Kirk, McCoy, Scotty, and Uhura are accidentally beamed into a parallel dimension where the peaceful federation is replaced by an evil empire. Can the crew get back to their home universe? Or will evil Spock catch on to the always inconspicuous Kirk? Will Uhura have to stab Sulu? Has Kirk found love with his own concubine? Find out on set podcast to stun! Hello, feeble-minded humans, and welcome to Set Podcast to Stun, the podcast where we explore, explain, and enjoy the Star Trek franchise. I'm Clint the Q, joined by Chancellor Emily Gowron, Kapla, and Commodore Corey. Kapla. <laughs> that was a great Kapla. I'm very joyous to be back. Ah, excuse me. I am getting over a cold and my voice was so hideous. I, I'm so glad that it's back to normal now. Oh, and you haven't heard the last episode. Did you see the changeling, Emily? Um. Yeah, I know I watched it. What What happened? Is that where... You watched the episode you didn't have to record for? Man, if I know I don't have to record, there's no fucking way I'm watching that episode. Well, I watched it and then immediate, like, I was like, I'll be better by the time we record. And then I was not better. Ah, uh, I gotcha. Well, we said we you got your brain erased a la uh, Lieutenant Ohora. So. Oh, yeah. I had to relearn how to talk. That's true. Yeah. Weirdly, I feel like I know a lot more swear words now. So. <laughs> And just uh just like Uhura, her her primary uh you know job was being a comms officer, uh and so she had to learn how to read again. And you had to learn how to drink again. So it's now it's good that you're you're back up to drinking at a postgraduate level. Yeah, yeah. I mean it's uh definitely the quality is up, uh and the quantity has uh remained even. Um I'm drinking you know, better vintages of blood wines these days than I did when I was at um, Klingon Academy. Working on your vocabulary. Yeah, yeah there we go. Scored one for Corey. All right, well, let's get into this episode so we don't let Corey beat us. Score one is what Clint calls it uh, when he's going to beat us later. <laughs> how many whips we get. How dare you be more witty than I am. <laughs> One score for you after the show. <laughs> no, no, sorry. All right, let's do it. So I'm so excited to talk about this week's episode. Mirror, <laughs> mirror. This was first aired October 6th of 1967. It was written by Jerome uh, Bixby and directed by Mark Daniels. Good um, old Mark. Good job, guys. They all did a good job. They did do a good job. Um, I just want to bring up super early um, the Japanese title, the translated Japanese title of this episode, and it's called Terror of the Ion Turbulence. Oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> That's like the terror at 5,000 feet. 
I just, it's such a like Japanese way of like doing the, you know, uh, of describing this episode terror of the ion turbulence. The German name was a parallel universe. Okay. I mean, that's very straightforward. Yeah. And well, yeah, that's very German too. And the Spanish is mirror, little mirror. Oh yeah. I like that. Wait, I remember seeing a YouTube video of like a, like a, Japanese comedy duo from like the eighties and they're doing like the old like Abbott and Costello sketch where one person's on one side of a mirror in quotes. And then the other person's like mocking their movement and you're trying to like trip up the other person, you know, the sketch I'm talking about, right? Yeah. But the person on the other side is dressed up like a mummy and the crowd's loving it because the pun is that uh, I think in Japanese mirror and mummy are like, (laughs) like the same word. So they're just like playing with that. You said Japan, that's so hilarious. that's all I had. No, that's uh, good. Clint, what is that word for the people that really like Japan? Weebos? Oh, weeaboos? Yeah, yeah. This is when the audience finds out that you're a weeaboo. Who, me or Corey? You. Yeah, I am definitely a weeaboo. Well, yeah, I'm a weeaboo. I love Japanese stuff. One piece for life, baby! That explains your full body Gohan pillow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just makes me feel safe. Uh, Talking about um, Japanese puns, uh, James uh, and I will probably cut this out, but who knows? Um, We're watching like this video game and these dubbers talking about Japanese humor and it's very pun based, but puns don't translate. So like the joke would be pickles. I thought you said baseball cards. (laughs) And like American people are like, what do I do with this? So anyway. Oh no, did we get transported to the alternate alternate dimension where our intros take way too long? <laughs> nope, that's the hallmark of the regular universe. Oh, okay. Yeah, this is the regular universe where we all have luxurious facial hair and uh, Clint is a despotic leader. Um, sadly, we live in the horrible alternate parallel universe. So wait, hold on. If we go to the other one, you and I, Emily, will be just horrible, cruel barbarians, and Clint will like will have him attached to a leash as he just like lays below us, <laughs> shirtless. <laughs> Is that uh, what you're saying? Sounds I like was good saying, life to me. <laughs> I was saying no, that we would all be kind and and good natured. Um, but I like this Clint on a leash scenario way more. Let's go there. <laughs> Sometimes I kick him in the stomach and be like, "Shut up, dog." <laughs> <laughs> I don't like where this is going. <laughs> Come on, we obviously live in the darkest timeline. Did you really think we weren't? <laughs> well, I'm going to have extra agonizer time for both of you. Ah, jokes yeah. on you. That's what gives us uh, orgasms. <laughs> All right, so you guys want to start? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Corey, why don't you kick us off? <laughs> Thanks, dog. All right. So the episode kind of starts in media res. Is that how you pronounce that? we're in the fanciest universe now so there's like these guys with these green dots and they're just telling kirk green dots on their foreheads i should be more specific (laughs) and they're they're aliens they're telling kirk that they refuse to let the enterprise slash the federation set up a mining operation on their planet to get dilithium crystals they're like we love the environment no they're super peaceful yeah and if one person died Tell me if I got this correctly, but if one person died during the mining operation, 
that would justify them like all killing themselves. So no, the, if if the, if they use that dilithium to kill even one person, oh, that's again yeah. they're total pacifists. Okay, okay. so they yeah, that's exactly it. Where they you know if one person is killed as a result of this, then they don't want a part of it. Got it. I thought it was because they were like, you can't like use our planet for your fuel. And then Kirk reacts totally reasonably, like Kirk always does. <laughs> I think yeah. you're being sarcastic, but Kirk takes this surprisingly well. Yeah. Usually, like, I would hit, expect him to be like, you're wrong and you're an idiot. And I'm going to show, I'm not going to punch you right now, but I'm going to. I'm going to show you that you're wrong in in a kind of a creepy fashion. Show you what I did to the other civilization of <laughs> old men sitting on a council that wanted to be pacified and, or didn't want right. to be pacified. I'm not sure. He, he's <laughs> like, if you don't let me do what I want, I'm not going to force you. I'm just going to make it so incredibly unpleasant that it'll break your spirit until you want to give in to me. I'm like, that's not that's not consent, Kurt. We're just going to we're going to start rumors about you to the other planets about how you guys are a bunch of prudes. But yeah, Kirk's totally fine with it. He's like, yeah, I can't force you later. But we'll show you that we're peaceful. Show you to death. But no, he takes it very well. Yeah. Yeah, and he leaves. Because that's kind of the whole point of the episode, as we'll see here in a second. So during this time, there's a bunch of lightning going on around the planet. And it's that same 1960s lightning strike sound that, like, it's in, you know, young Frankenstein. Like, it's used as a joke. Oh, uh-huh. They just play it like nonstop. But it's the same like thunder clap. Um, they transport off the planet. And by they, I mean this episode, we're going to be hanging out with Scotty, McCoy, Uhura, and our boy Kirk. So they transport off this planet during an ion storm. And what, there's a bunch of crazy effects because you're not supposed to do that. And they accidentally beam, get beamed into an alternate evil universe dun 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 they play it so cool like they get there and they're like everything's different and like i would be like what's going on here i would be more visibly confused to be like huh Uh, but they're like they almost immediately know that they're in trouble and they need to play it cool yeah okay but can we please talk about how they immediately know that they're in trouble because like how did they know guys that this was an alternate universe exactly they're just like whoa something's off and we can't blow our cover but it's just yeah it's weird that they kind of instantly kind of know to be careful well emily i think if i if i was watching the episode correctly i think the one thing that really tipped me off was the fashion hey guys do you hear that it's fashion week again Let's talk about some of the fashion choices. Fashion week. Oh, God. I've been waiting for this. Okay. So, again, they transport up to this evil universe, parallel universe. Every Like, everyone's just dressed differently. That's that's a big tell. Uh, who do we start with first? Well, let's start with Spock. Okay. But let's point out real quick. The away crew, once they transported up, they their clothes changed to the evil clothes. So yes. oh, I don't know I how that, about that. that I switch clothes. Yeah. <laughs> the <laughs> ion storm. <laughs> well, it knows that you can't send people to another universe without the same set of clothes. So. Oh my God. I forgot about that. All that right, is what's, a great part. Yep. What's Spock wearing? He's wearing 
Uh, first of all, I don't know how they did this, but they made his eyebrows look extra like pointy and weird on the ends. And then he's got like um, a Riker beard, which is very black and evil. Um, he's got a goatee. Yeah, a Riker beard. Um, and he's got like a more militant shirt. And then they all have these little bits of um, like a little enamel pin collection slash mm. actual literal dog tags. Not like army ones, like ones that dogs wear. And they all have... They all have a gold sash. Yeah. The higher, the higher the rank, the longer your gold sash. Yes, my notes for Kirk were a uh, glitter pirate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and of course, Kirk, he's wearing, I think he's the only one, but he's wearing like a vest. Like it's a sleeveless vest. Gold I was vest. Like, yeah, sleeveless mm-hmm. gold That's vest. That's right. It's sleeveless. And it's like, um, it looks like a wrap, like a, the top of a wrap dress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, if I was captain, this is what I would want to wear. Like this is my outfit. Just put even some the, shorts the on little, there. the little medals slash enamel pin collections. Yeah, those are fine. I mean, I, I wouldn't like those, but if I had to wear them, I would. Well, um, listen, it's real scandalous because the ladies on this starship all wear uh, like sports bras and mini skirts, and then really tall black boots. So. I'm sure for a very specific subset of men, that's exactly what revs their motors. What really rubbed me the wrong way about this episode was how you could see all the ladies' navels. Didn't like that one bit. You didn't like it? Not on television. (laughs) (laughs) Children are watching, Emily. What? Now then they're going to ask questions about belly buttons and they'll know that they're not the only one that has it. And how will I make them do the dishes then? Apparently, at this time, you weren't allowed to show uh, women's belly buttons on television. So it was like. Yeah, I I saw a um, interview with um, Gene Roddenberry and he was complaining about how um, the studios were always or the censors were always on his butt about navels and that sort of thing and then um he said and then laughing happened you all you all rebel (laughs) he's trying to put navels on television always fighting the good fight uh but then he said and then uh laughing came along and no one cared anymore so thanks laughing thanks goldie han what's laughing is that a movie it's a it's like a sketch comedy show yeah it's like um oh laugh in yeah yeah they're like laughing with a apostrophe at the end no <laughs> well i dream of genie started in 1967 i think doesn't she show her navel like every episode yeah she's basically always wearing evil star trek i'm looking at a picture of her right now and it appears that oh no it appears the sash is above her navel mm. these are good pictures. so you just get some good low some good bottom rib cage Ooh. better than side boob let me tell you bottom rib cage is it <laughs> that and your ruffly shirt just yeah, a, a cropped ruffly shirt for some bottom rib cage is gonna be clint's jam that's how you do it wait it appears there are pictures of her with her navel so maybe they let her do it later on apparently to uh to get this on the air the assistants or someone took the standards and practices people out to like a super long lunch and then while they were at to lunch, they like filmed all the naval scenes. Got him drunk. <laughs> so that's how they were able to get this episode uh, on the air. 
Is it like that episode of Mad Men where they have oysters and martinis for lunch and then they run up the stairs? I don't, I, I can't remember. Yeah, but like, if you had like a bunch of martinis and oysters for lunch and then you like sprinted upstairs, what do you think you'd do? Oh, uh, belly rub, rubbing navels with someone. No, they vomit. Oh. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get back to this old summary. <laughs> yeah. We're Corey, please. Two sentences. Please. <laughs> Okay, um, one of the first like signs we get that this is the bad universe is evil Spock. I don't want to keep calling him evil Spock because he's really the only Spock that shows up in this episode. How about Mirror Can we call Spock? him Spork? Well, he's also not evil. He's but not. I like. I do like Spork. He's very rigid and to the rules. Um, but he, uh, he, at, like right when they show up in the transporter bay and they're trying to figure out what's going on, um, he he takes out this device called an agonizer and he's like starting to grill a crewman about like messing something up. And the crewman's like, Oh, I don't know. I don't know, sir. I, I didn't mean to. And Spock puts the device on him and it just like, what like fries him, electrocutes him. Yeah. It just like tortures him. him. Yeah. Doesn't kill him though. No, it just hurts him. Yeah. I, I just want to say like throughout this episode, you can tell that Leonard Nimoy is having the time of his life playing this role he is enjoying he really every is. moment of it and he has a I, lot of great scenes that we'll get to yeah this is i think my i mean i have not had a lot of complaints about spock already like i think we've been generally pretty pro spock but this is by far top three spock episodes loving it oh i was disappointed that mccoy was just wearing a sash because everyone else is showing a lot of skin but I guess DeForest Kelly and his contract was like, I do not take my shirt off. God damn it, Corey. I'm a doctor, not an underwear model. When I was, when we did our some like it hot thing, I was trying to find any pictures. I was trying to find all the boys without their shirts on for like the movie poster for <laughs> that. Um, and I could not find any shirtless DeForest Kelly pictures. What? They're just not there. Did you have to Photoshop his head onto someone else's body? I did. Yeah, I did. Whose body was it? Uh, just some like hot Abercrombie and Finch boy. That's what I choose to believe DeForest Kelly always looks like. I would say when I close my eyes and I picture DeForest Kelly shirtless, that's what I imagine. That's yeah. Yeah. I know you picture that a lot. So you've had a lot of practice. Anyway, our heroes, um, go to a room by themselves to kind of get settled. And they're just like, they're trying to figure out everything that's going on. And we get some good Kirk talk here where he kind of talks through like, oh my god we were transported up here and we're here and our counterparts are on our enterprise and it's kind of a dramatic reveal because they know that they've been swapped with an evil parallel uh crew i believe that they go to the med bay and i specifically have this note because even though everything is different in this bizarro world enterprise there is one thing that's the same which is that mirror bones still has old-timey like surgical instruments hanging on his wall for decoration well this time they're not for decoration yeah <laughs> did you guys see the bird skull the bird skull no. yeah oh my god you guys are the worst. i did not see a skull there's like a bird-like skull in i think the, there was like two episodes ago i saw it when they debuted the new med bay and there's it's in it this one when they smash something on spock's head later in that episode that is the bird skull. Oh, I thought it was a vase. I don't know. I, I think it it's a, a bird skull. Too. Maybe I was maybe I was 
projecting here, whatever. But I'm telling you guys, there's a, <laughs> he keeps a bird skull in the med bay. Sure, buddy. Gotta look at it. He's, Clint, have you been taking your medicine? We've talked about this before. There aren't bird skulls everywhere. I'm telling you, there's a, they're following there's me. There's a bird skull! Your there's medicine of powdered of cloaca. <laughs> That's gross. <laughs> okay, so Ahura goes, because everyone has to pretend that they belong there. And Ahura goes to the bridge where we get to meet the best character in this episode, Evil Sulu. Oh my god, the scar looks so good. He has a scar on his beautiful face. And he is just like grinning um, devilishly the entire time. And like when he, when Ahura first walks up, Sulu goes and like tries to like flirt with her very aggressively and she turns him down and she's like, he's like, you'll pay for this. So you can tell he's going to be a bad guy. She throws some good uh, sass at him as well. Yeah. Uh, George Takei is also, I think, having a great time with us. Oh, yeah, yeah, he seems like he's having fun. It seems like everyone is having fun this episode. Um, yeah, I definitely said that uh, Kirk is killing it. Like, um, spoiler alert, they have one quick scene where they cut to the regular Enterprise and all the evil people are in the brig, essentially because they've been throwing tantrums. And Kirk is just crazy, but the facial, this facial expressions that Shatner uses for evil Kirk are completely different than the ones he normally uses. Is this the same evil Kirk from the episode in season one where <laughs> evil Kirk is up there? Like, is it the no. same dude? No, no, it's a different type of evil. So there are three versions of Kirk. Two thirds of them are evil. Yeah. All of, but all of them are murderers. Yeah. <laughs> I like to think that they have an evil Kirk protocol, like it happens so much. So they're just like, oh, we've got another evil Kirk on our hands. Yeah. Someone just cocks a gun. They're like, all right. But now I want to see an episode where Mirror Universe Kirk and evil, evil Transporter Duplicate Kirk join forces. <laughs> I want to see a Mirror Universe where Kirk is really kind and gentle. And they're like even more freaked out than ever. <laughs> Um, so just speaking of Sulu real quick, though, um, he's wearing a red officer's uniform in this episode. Um, and like his first appearance, he's wearing a, a blue science uniform. So he they say he's the first person to ever wear all three uniforms on the show. Hmm. Oh, wow. That's a fun bit of trivia. Yeah. Yeah, that is a good bit of trivia. I like it. OK, so Kirk um, goes to the bridge and he's just learning what his mission is and uh, so the mission that the enterprise the evil enterprise is on is those dudes from the start that weren't going to negotiate and let the federation um, build a mine to get dilithium crystals in the good version they were just gonna be like okay sorry to bother you and leave in this version they're just going to destroy that planet so that's mm -hmm. kirk's next order like he is supposed to destroy the planet yeah if they because the they didn't 34 which just means genocide the planet they have it even in this universe yeah <laughs> well you need it you need it no matter what no matter what kind of universe you're in they just use it more yeah um but yeah they were he was supposed to go there like if they didn't give in to their demands then they were gonna destroy everything basically so kirk kirk is trying to just buy some time because obviously he doesn't want to do this um and he calls the the old people up on the planet and he's like i'm gonna give you 12 hours and they're like no you can give us twelve thousand years we're not gonna do it and then kirk's like 12 hours that's my final offer kirk out 
and then like Spock <laughs> is like, "What's going on here? Yeah, that is like, not cool." Fuck? Everyone's really suspicious. Like, why? They're are like, "You're you... you're ignoring Starfleet orders. You're not acting like yourself." In fact, it's so suspicious that Kirk leaves the bridge and he gets in the teleporter. Wait, what's it called? The turbo Kirk... lift. Kirk leaves the bridge and he gets in the turbo lift. And once he gets to the top, he gets jumped by Chekhov and Chekhov's henchmen. Because, like, apparently bridge officers have henchmen. It's like ancient Rome during the fall of the Republic. <laughs> yeah, and it's like um, if you murder someone, then they're like, well, automatic promotion. And I am tired of not being promoted. Yeah, so Chekhov's trying to take Kirk's job. Uh but Kirk gets himself out of that situation and Kirk kill count times two. He kills two people with a phaser. Nice. I just want to say this happens to during a commercial break. So like he's in danger and then commercial break and then he gets out of it. But I like the, you know, like the captain's log after he's like captain's log supplemental. I, I command an enterprise where officers apparently employ private henchmen among the crew where assassination of superiors is a common means of uh, advancing in rank. And I just think it's, I don't, I just, you know, we talked about this before, but the captain's log in the middle of the episode, like he's just there staring at them and then yelling this out. Captain's log. I also love that he doesn't mention that he's murdered people. He's just like offended that that's how you move up in rank. I, I also like in that captain's log, he says, stardate unknown. But I think he would know it because it's a parallel universe. It's the same star date. He's right? not making any assumptions. Well, okay, he doesn't fair. have his friends to tell her, like his assistant to tell him what the star date is. What? I'm just supposed to remember this myself? Like a peasant? <laughs> he just literally doesn't know it. <laughs> Come on. Do you really think that Captain Kirk keeps track of things like dates? <laughs> Okay, I want to get to my favorite part of the episode, and it's such a small thing, but I just love how cheesy it is. So our four heroes all meet up again, and they, um, I don't know where they, where are they all hanging out? Like in the med bay? I, well, I think they like hang out in the med bay once. They hang out in Spock's or Kirk's quarters once. Okay. Um, but I think most of the time they're in Kirk's quarters. Okay, so... They needed to move the episode on a little bit. So what they did is they um, Kirk sits down and he starts talking to the computer of the ship. Now the computer has the voice of, I think from the dude from the last episode, Clint, right? The what's its name? The robot. Oh, um, the changeling. Nomad. 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 Yeah. I think it's the same person that does the voice. Okay. So here's, it's so bananas. What happens? Here's what happens. So Kirk is like computer. Could the Ion Storm somehow have surged the transporter, transporting us to a parallel dimension? Yep. <laughs> the computer's like, uh-huh. the computer's like, affirmative. I and don't then, even have to think about it. Totally possible. <laughs> and then he's like, computer, would it be possible for us to recreate the same effect and take ourselves back to our own dimension and bring our counterparts back to this one? And then, yeah, oh, yeah. Giving it be affirmative. And they're like, okay, well, we know what we need to do. So they're going to recreate the ion storm conditions. I love, I love that because you point out it's bananas, but just imagine being in the writer's room and they're like, wait, how are they going to figure this out? And I just mentioned them having like a three day debate and everyone like, no, no, the the audience will never get that. Or like, no, that doesn't make sense. Kirk would never say that. And then it's just like, finally, someone's like, fuck it. We're running out of time. Just have the computer tell them it. It, It's, it's like, 
the computer knows the answers to everything. And I think we said this in another episode. It's just you haven't asked the right questions yet, right? So thank God there's no AI in this world. because It didn't have to like process anything. It was just like, yep, you can do that. Totally possible. <laughs> Don't have to think yeah. about it. It's also just like they completely misunderstand like the way computers would really work. It's it's adorable and precious. They do this in like TNG a couple of times too, where they're like computer, like they do it a little bit better later. Uh, it's like not as just like computer solve all our problems. <laughs> We're like computer, am I right about this? Yes. Compute the odds. Yeah, they do in TNG. The best example of that in TNG, and I actually really like this scene, but it's the one where Jordy and his friend are on the holodeck and they they have a shadow from like some security camera and they're oh, just uh-huh. they keep trying to recreate what kind of an, a creature could make that shadow. Isn't that what happened? Do you remember what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. And they just yeah, ask it like a series agree. of questions to like develop this creature shape. Um, <laughs> and they finally get it. And they could have, I mean, in, in, in TOS world, they, they could have been like, computer, make a shape that would look exactly like this shadow. You got it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so <laughs> right after, so they, they know what they have to do. And then there's like this, I, I don't know who asks it, but one of the four is like, so I wonder how our counterparts are doing. And then it's just like a, meanwhile, they're dragging evil Kirk by his hands and they throw him into the brig. And Spock's like, you guys are all four imposters. You're going to stay here. <laughs> and then the scene ends. Oh, it's ends. great. They're just like losing their mind. They're so angry for no reason. It's wonderful. And he goes, what happened to my uniform? <laughs> Where's my, like, what's going on here? Where's your beard? That's one of yeah. the, I thought he said, where's my beer? Or like, where's the beer? Like they drink a lot, but he's like, where's your beard? What's yeah. going on here? Like, what do you want? Do you want credits? I'll make you rich. Like, do you want power? I can get you power. Like, do you want 30 seconds alone? I'll do whatever you want. I love that they equate evilness with stupidity in this world. Like, it's so funny. They're like, they're so stupid, they'll never figure this out, and they just yell. <laughs> and it, it's also just a cool scene, because it's like, Spock instantly detected that something was off, and instantly threw them all in the brig, wiped his hands off, and then just waited, waited the situation out. Well, uh, and it does solve itself. It does just solve itself for Spock. So that was a good, that was a good uh, strategy. What were you going to say, I, Emily? Oh, I was going to say, I also think it's a nice little bit because that happens right in the middle. And you're right, Spock figures it out like that. But I think it's also a bit of foreshadowing that Mirror Spock is kind of like the antagonist in this because he's immediately suspicious and is like, what is going on here, y'all? Yeah, I like how his motivation, too, is he doesn't want to become captain. Yeah, he's I just like hilarious. I don't like being. I don't want to be captain. He's you like, if you die, people. I have to do this, and I do not want. Can, I cannot stress enough how much I do not want that job. Do anything to avoid this. Yeah, in fact, the next scene is like you, we see that Chekhov has been thrown into the agony booth, and he's just being tortured in like this phone booth thing. Um, and and Spock is just talking about with Kirk about like why about about his philosophy and like why he doesn't want to be in command. But it's like, it's cool because he's like a cold, he's cold and calculating. And I don't know if you'd call him evil, but he's like, the rules of this ship are this. And therefore, I am going to do whatever I can to survive. But I also don't want you to die, Kirk, because I think you've been a capable captain up to this point. You've been making some weird decisions lately, but I think you will hopefully come around on that. So, yeah, he's not evil. He's just very 
his logic is like turned up to serve something that is malevolent. Yeah, and I think that's a good observation. I don't feel like this Spock is really that much different from Spock from the regular universe. He's just in a different environment and he has to play by a different set of rules. Um, but he's still just as logical, which makes them kind of have the same morality. I think they're kind of saying that, you know, if you if you come from morality at a logical place, you can, you know, it's it's going to be the same if you're in an evil universe or in a good universe. Well, yeah, it is. I think it's, yeah, the argument, if, if this is, if I'm picking up what you're putting down, the argument the show is making is that logic is a process that will remain the same. It's just the circumstances around it. If you're making logical choices in a good world, you're going to make good choices. If you're making logical choices in a bad world, you will have bad choices. Mm-hmm. Oh, and we haven't mentioned, but it's not the USS Enterprise, it's the ISS Enterprise, and the I stands for Imperial. Oh, okay. Uh, So Kirk goes to his quarters, and there we find his, I guess, I don't know what the right word is, concubine. (laughs) And she plays a pretty prominent role. I didn't catch her name. I was going to say his boo, uh, but concubine is a, a word choice you could make. I well, think they called her a concubine. The the reason I, I actually crossed out concubine because I didn't want to like sound sexist or anything, but she literally says like my job is to like serve as like whoever's in charge. Like I'm their woman, and then I get passed on to the next one. She's kind of a gold digger. It's hard to tell how much is her being like I'm going to do this, and how much of it is just like, yep, this is what it is. But it seems like she does like evil Kirk in a fashion. She Maybe she does. just thinks that. He's 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 moving up those ranks, but she seemed upset that like she's she's like, well, if I have to, you know, I'm going to sleep my way up the ladder on a different ship. Um, Yeah, I think I she is actually a great character because she has a lot of depth. Like like you said, she has this attitude of like, well, this is the only way to advance in my career and I want to advance. so I'm going to do it. But yeah, I do like you. I'd rather stay around with you. Um, And she does. She makes some interesting choices later that show her to be kind of like conflicted and and not like a cardboard like, well, I'm just evil and I like having evil sex. It's just kind of like there are a lot of different pressures on me and I'm doing the best I can in this world. Uh, Her name is uh, Melina, uh, I think, Moreau. Okay. Well, the cool thing about her is like she's like scheming to help Kirk keep his power and grow his power. So like she serves that role. She's like, hey, you should. Uh, well, she introduces Kirk or reminds him that he has something called a Tantalus field. Oh, yeah. God, this was stupid. This is so plot device Yeah, go on. Sorry, it's it's a device Kirk has yeah. in his quarters, and you summon it by, like, pressing this screen, and this little, um, this little uh, video thing pops down. And apparently this is how Kirk got his position, where he actually killed Pike to uh, assume command of the Enterprise. And all it is, is it can look at anywhere on the ship, and at any moment you can vaporize any person on the ship. So evil Kirk has this in his quarters. Now Kirk has access to it. And um, uh, she's like, do you want to kill Spock right now? Because he's obviously (laughs) going to try to, like, off you. Um, But Kirk's like, no, I don't want to kill Spock right now. Uh, and at the same time, evil Spock actually calls Kirk and he's like, hey, I just want to let you know that 
that the Imperial fleet contacted me and told me to kill you if you don't destroy that planet. So I wasn't supposed to tell you this, but just letting you know. Bye. Yep. There's a lot, a lot. This is an episode. It's really fun. It's deeply enjoyable. But this is absolutely an episode where they, anytime they hit a plot issue, instead of thinking about it for 10 seconds, they just throw some new crap on top of it. Like, (laughs) it's so weird. Oh, just talking about um, uh, Marlena. um, So another fun fact about this is uh, this episode took a month to get produced because she had strep throat. Oh my God, um, what is happening on this set? Yeah, so she had... um, she had strep throat and a hundred and three degree fever, um, oh. so they had to wait two weeks for her to do the the kissing scene with with uh, Shatner because they didn't want him to get sick. Yeah. Um, but then she lost like a couple of pounds, you know. Um, so to like hide that weight loss, they gave her that like bikini with that like that kind of like shawl thing. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Uh, a pussy shawl? Is she wearing one of those? <laughs> I wouldn't call that a pussy shawl, but uh, guys, we shawl. agreed we weren't going to say that word anymore. <laughs> I actually had you sign something, so Corey, I have to say as many words as possible because I'm relearning them all. Oh, that's right. <laughs> that's the word that made everything click. Well, there yeah. are so many articles of clothing now that you have to throw after it too to just build up your <laughs> modifiers. Pussy socks. Okay, I'm going to keep going. So there's actually a lot of fun political intrigue because after Spock has that conversation with Kirk, like, hey, I've been told to kill you. Evil Sulu calls evil Spock and he's like, "Uh, hey, if you don't kill Kirk, I'm going to kill you. And then Spock's like, well, if you kill me, my people are going to kill you back. So there's like a lot of this going on the ship. It's it's a delightful, like, how the hell do they get anything done around here? My operatives will avenge me and their Vulcans. Yeah. Okay. Dun, dun, dun. So remember, our our heroes are trying to get off this ship. They have to do something. I don't know. It's not important. But what they what, what is important is Uhura has to uh, distract Sulu for a second, so that he's because he's also like in charge of security and he can't see that they're like trying to modify parts of the ship. So she goes over to Sulu on the bridge and she like starts flirting with him and he like aggressively hugs her um, and he like starts like kissing her neck. And that's just the distraction they need for for them to do the modification. And then as soon as Uhura sees that they've made the modification, she like jumps back and she pulls a switchblade out of her uh, belt. <laughs> I forgot about this. This is awesome. Yeah, it was pretty badass. But it's like, where did you get that switchblade? Did, did you just get that when you transported up? It's all part oh. of switching clothing. Yeah, also um, Marlena also says the weirdest thing about sex she's like trying to seduce kirk and she says i'm just oiling my traps darling (laughs) it's like i it makes me deeply uncomfortable and then ohara pulls a knife so (laughs) she's like i withdraw consent yeah sex is really pointy in this world I just want to say there's a second where she comes out uh, in her little shawl and bikini. And you could definitely see a second where Kirk is like, maybe I should stay in this universe. Yeah, yeah. He's definitely like, oh, this isn't so bad. Um, 
I also have to say one little last bit about fashion. Uh, the women all have really incredible jewelry. Like, I kept staring mm. at the rings that Marlena was wearing. I was like, I want all of these things. Also, Uhura's earrings are just amazing. They're just on point. They look really cool. And did we mention, like, you can see her abs this entire episode? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, she is ripped. That's more for arms. What is the word when you have, like, a six-pack? Toned. She's six-packed. So everyone's all ready to leave the ship. They all meet up in sick bay, And then Spock has picked up, because he's a smart person. He's picked up what's going on. So while they're all just about ready to go, Spock shows up with a phaser. And they all fight evil Spock at once, all four of them. And it's a, it's a pretty fun fight scene, because he's just flinging them off like he's King Kong. And he's kicking some ass. McCoy was particularly useless during this fight. He, he he is not built for the martial arts and it's a and damn it's... it jim <laughs> i'm a doctor not a wwe fighter and actually mccoy was pretty underused this entire episode like for yeah, how really do much for how little he had you'd think it had just been like scotty uhura and kirk that go over like he did well, nothing i do there is an interesting plot point where they like up the drama because they're like we've got five minutes and then they hit spock over the head with a vase and... or 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 emily a bird skull yeah. <laughs> right uh and then um they're about to leave and uh bones is like damn it jim he'll die if i don't help him and so he's like stays there to save his life and mirror universe spock is like what you didn't let me die but you know, he fulfills his Hippocratic oath. I don't know. I thought that was a nice little bit. But you're well, right. Other than that, he doesn't do a ton. I wrote this in my notes and I underlined it. I wrote, who cares? Who cares if he dies? <laughs> I got to get the hell off this ship. He really jeopardized the mission by stick by staying back. Because then when evil Spock wakes up, he does a Vulcan mind meld on McCoy. Yeah, but I like that because it's like, it doesn't matter that he's evil because you have to resist becoming the very thing you're fighting. I just, too, speaking of the mind meld, there's a part early in the episode where uh, Spock is talking to Kirk and he says, once you've made up your mind, you're very disciplined and blah, blah, blah. And I think that was Spock also like kind of saying, like, I if I were to try and mind meld with you, I couldn't get any information off of you because you're so determined and focused. But uh, McCoy is weak. He's like full of human sentiment and blah, blah, blah. So if I were to mind meld with him, I'd get everything. <laughs> everything. Which she did. I forgot that he mind melded with him. At least yeah. it wasn't a computer. Well, actually, and this is an important plot point. Well, not important, but it, it ties up Kirk's girlfriend's story. But right after they knock out Spock and McCoy starts to operate on him and they're just about to leave and leave McCoy alone to operate on Spock when they only have like five minutes to get off the ship. Evil Sulu shows up with his henchmen so he can finally kill Kirk and be in command. And um, this is when Kirk's girlfriend, who's operating the device we talked about earlier from Kirk's quarters, just evaporates everybody uh, from Sulu's crew, except for Sulu. I don't know why she didn't just kill him too, but Kirk like breaks his wrist and then he passes out. Yeah. I mean, basically, it's a really weird sequence of events. There's a, there's a lot of fighting in this episode. 
Okay, yeah. so uh, they make it to the transporter without McCoy because McCoy's still operating, or he's getting his Vulcan mind meld by now. And they, um, Scotty determines that, uh-oh, one person needs to stay behind to work the controls, and then the other three can leave. And Kirk's girlfriend is like, I'll stay, I'll, I'll work the controls. When well, suddenly she's like, take me with you. She wants to go with them. Yeah. yeah. She didn't, she wasn't, she never offered, I don't think she offered to like work the controls. She's like, take me with you. And they're like, no, I Well, wanna. and then they do, she, I think she does volunteer when Kirk's like, I'll stay behind so you guys can go. And she's like, Fuck, I guess I'll do it. But then suddenly evil Spock shows up clutching Spock. McCoy. And actually, it's not bad. He has read McCoy's mind and he knows that these people are in the wrong universe. So he's like, I will operate the controls. It is in my best interest to get you back to your world and get my own captain and my crew back. So get on the transporter. We're getting you out of here. There's a bunch of stuff where Kirk's trying to convince uh, evil Spock to spare the civilization and he does a bunch of logic stuff. I don't know. I don't really care about any of that stuff. They make it back, and it's the end of the episode. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, basically. Um, I liked at the end, too. We kind of touched on this a little bit, but they were talking to Spock about, how could you tell so quickly that this this wasn't us? And he's like, well, you people are civilized. And it's much easier for civilized people to pretend to be barbarians than barbarians to pretend to be civilized people. Oh, also, as it ends, um, the actress who plays... Uh, Marlena, who is not Asian, um, is dressed up as like uh, a yeoman and she brings Kirk, I don't know, a cup of coffee or something. And he looks at her like, whoa, wah, wah, wee, wah. And <laughs> Apparently she had just been transferred to the ship like yeah. a couple yeah, days earlier. And then the boys give Kirk some good old fashioned ribbing about <laughs> once again getting a visible boner on the bridge. Well, and, and the as the end credits are going, Kirk gets up and he just starts flirting with her. Yeah, yeah, it's totally appropriate. And I, I marked that. I thought that was funny too because, like, how he flirts with her is he like comes up behind her, stands like way too close to her, and then like starts talking to her, and then he like grabs the uh the clipboard and just like takes it away from her. <laughs> <laughs> It's like th- third grade level of like flirting where it's like, oh, I'm going to take this from you. Oh, if you want it back, you're going to have to kiss me. He's like, you know, my daddy got me this job. Why? Why? Why does Kirk while he's back in the dark universe? Why does he kiss her? Because he kisses her during one long scene that I didn't really get into where they're just talking. But like he didn't have to kiss her. Did he have feelings for her? He- he had boner feelings. Yeah. I mean, one, you could tell that he's definitely attracted to her. Um, but also he couldn't, he couldn't, he, he couldn't blow his cover. Oh, that's, yeah, true. that's true. That's a good point. Yeah. All right. So yeah, that was a fun episode. So let's talk about uh, what we think of the episode. Thumbs up or down. Emily, what'd you think of it? Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Corey, how about you? Thumbs up. Great episode. One of the best we've seen. Yeah. Same same for me and it's because everybody's like obviously having a good time the last time i can remember an episode like this was when uh the uh what's it called the one where they go down and have a great time on that planet the one where they all get drunk no like the fantasy planet one yeah Um, the the planet with a gun yeah the planet with a gun sure leave 
That's and then it. the one where they get drunk too. Again, Sulu has the sword. Like those just seem like everyone's. Oh, that alive. was so much fun. I love that one. Um, I think the great thing about this episode too was there weren't really that many guest stars or like antagonists. Like the antagonists were the other crew. So I think it was awesome because it allowed all like all our favorite crew members to get some more screen time screen time than they w- usually would have. Um, like usually you'd see like one scene of of Sulu or like Ohura has to fix the comm the comm system, but they all get something to do. Uh, especially it's nice to see like Ohura kind of like carry some more weight and her get some more attention because she actually got to do stuff this episode usually she just kind of like you know gives information or is like i'm working as fast as i can to repair the cons yeah so it was so cool to see some of our cast members play antagonists have such a fun time but also just see everyone kind of get more screen time i also think it like that element touches on something that we've wanted a lot more is like we don't need a monster of the week like wild villain that we learn something from by the end like the tension can just come from like interpersonal tension mm-hmm. be between the crew and even though this is alternate universe it does kind of address that yeah and i think it's it's almost like a template for like tng and other star trek episodes where you don't yeah. have as much an antagonist as you have a problem and yeah. the crew has to solve the problem. Hey, speaking of which, I think it's a real shame that the TNG did not have a Mirror Darkly episode. I think it's one of the only ones that doesn't. And I would have loved to have seen an evil Picard. They have the one where there's the universe where they've been at war with the Romulans and like they're militarized. But it's not like a dark, everyone's like barbaric universe. Mm-hmm. They do have some comic books that are... It's like a TNG mirror dark. Evil Picard. Yeah. Yeah. They have my, a, a series of comic books. My partner hates parallel universe episodes in all media because he's like, okay, wait, you're telling me that there's another universe and like one thing happens and suddenly everyone's super evil. He's like, why don't they just go to a universe where everything's exactly the same, but Picard has hair. Or like, <laughs> they go to a universe where everything's the same, but like, Riker is short, or Riker is black. He's like, why do they always go where like, one event makes everything wildly different? And it's like, it's such a stupid thing, but he is so like, fresh, like, he's a calm guy, and he's just like, I don't get it. This doesn't make any sense mathematically. Like, he gets so worked up. Uh, so I really delight in being like, I love the alternate universe episode. Well, so the good thing about this one, um, the problem is in DS9, they have like five or six mirror universe episodes. They have a lot, yeah. Spread across the whole series. And I think it's great just to have one episode because you just get in and out and don't ask too many questions. Because when you start asking like more and more questions about how this other universe works, it just doesn't make any sense. So I think this is the perfect just like in and out and we're well, done. Don't yeah. ask too many questions. Just have fun. Don't think about it too much. But the more you think about it, you're just like, this is so dumb. It makes no sense. So, yeah. But also it makes sense that there would be more um, alternate universe ones in DS9. Because that whole series is about, like, going to other universes and other realities and, like, the whole alien gods thing. It's like, 
that seems to lend itself more to parallel universes than what we've got here. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite things <laughs> about the DS9 um, mirror universe is where when Cisco has to go into the mirror universe and he has to pretend to be his counterpart, who's a pirate. He's basically a pirate. I don't remember this. And um, they have, and then they progress the story where um, the humans are rebelling against, um, like the Bajorans are like the evil overlords in DS9 in the mirror universe. That's how it's flipped. Is the Bajorans are in charge and they're evil. Are they subjugating the Kardashians? I think so. Or like there's a Cardassian Klingon alliance and then like the Bajorians like flip it so that they're in charge or something like that. Um, Cause Garrick, he's like a lap dog. Um, he's uh, Kira is like the evil emperor in yeah. charge of everything. And Garrick is um, her lap dog. Uh, DS9 is so goofy. I love it. It is goofy, but Cisco has to sleep with um, mirror universe Jedzia to like not blow his cover. Um, but she doesn't have a symbiote in her, um, so it's not Dax. Um, but I don't know. It's just like something funny to keep like in your mind. And I don't think Cisco ever tells it, but he had to <laughs> sleep with her. And so now he knows what it's like to sleep with her for the rest of the series. <laughs> I don't know. But why. also like the Dax is like his old best friend. And so he's like, you're my old bro, but also I know you look like naked. Yeah, exactly. And it's just like a funny thing to keep in the back of your mind that he had to sleep with her that one time. So, <laughs> um, But she doesn't have the symbiote. I think that would be even weirder if she, like, she's just Jedzia. She doesn't have uh, a, a symbiote in her. Yeah, um, right. So I just, I don't know. I just think I'm, that's hilarious. I'm gonna just move this book off the bookshelf real quick. Oops, the trap door opened up. You two plunged through it to the bottom floor. <laughs> Roll initiative. You guys are very, very, yeah, roll initiative. You know what? I I got 19. I got plus three. My depth is super high. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Collectribles, our brand new segment where we talk about all things Star Trek collectibles, toys, action figures, statues. This week, we're going to be talking about probably what I think is the episode with the most action figures and toys attached to it mirror well, yeah mirror. because i bet they have like a uh a ab ohura one. Oh, please join me in our chat chat discord room oh my and i would like to just give you a brief glimpse uh of all the toys that are related to this particular episode i have never seen I've an episode i've never before. seen a lego minifig with boobs before oh you're at the bottom keep scrolling up <laughs> You know, I've just decided that if there's any time for us to ever dress up as Star Trek characters, I think I'm going to dress up as Mirror Universe Spock. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) You know, okay, so let's talk about the Mirror Universe Spock. Obviously, that's the most popular figure Um, you're going to see. We got a Funko Pop one. We got like a pretty highly detailed statue. I think this is an eight inch statue. But then you got them in all the other forms, too. And as you said, there's a Lego one as well. The statue we're looking at is pretty darn detailed. You can see, like, the shimmering in his blue coat and the shimmering in the gold yeah, sash. And sash um, it's, very, it's looking really good. Very uh, reminiscent of the gold lame that it looks like it is in the show. Everyone shows up here. 
um, including Kirk's girlfriend. It's so popular that there's a Mirror Scotty um, collectible. I didn't even know there was a Mirror Scotty. No, it's just Scotty with a yellow sash on. That's all. But it looks like it comes with an extra hand and a phaser and a bunch of stuff. So yeah, there's plenty of navel showing. We got lots of abs, lots of gold sashes across a bunch of different platforms. Bunch like I think there's like a there's like an Ahura on like a Star Trek like pedestal. I think that might be like a Happy Meal thing. I'm it looks not like sure. an ornament. Almost. There's some real. Sh- yeah, it does. Oh, it does. That'd be a cool Christmas tree. There's ornament. this weird one of Kirk where like his body is like a different color than his head. They had of like oh we have all these extra like man heads for dolls so we're just gonna like his his head is like a completely different like texture that is absolutely what happened yeah it's really upsetting (laughs) yeah if 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 you you know some episodes not a lot of toys or if there are some toys they're harder to find if you really just want one episode and one toy to commemorate your love of tos consider mirror mirror there's a shitload of them out. There. I love this vintage right, go point back of this Sulu doll. It's like a top-down shot, uh, <laughs> like a macro yeah, lens. It's, yeah, it's it's composed very well. It's an action yeah. shot. Yeah. Hey, there's one more thing I wanted to talk about with uh, the the mirror universe. Yes. And Emily, you actually sent us a text a couple of weeks ago related to Uh-oh. this. But William Shatner has written a lot of Star Trek books, <laughs> but he's written. He's written three books about the mirror universe and they are pretty in depth and they cover a hundred years of history from like, yeah, from like the beginning of TOS to the end of TNG, I think, but like, like really details what the political situation is like in the mirror universe outside of the enterprise. So I, I have actually read one of them. Uh, I read one of them in high school during our silent reading block and I remember liking it. Uh, well, I sent a text about this because I found a William Shatner paperback in a used bookstore called The Tech War, and I bought it. Oh. Well, you know, they call him uh, William Shatspear for a reason. It just makes Jeff Bezos interrupting him all that more egregious. All right. Let's head into the writer's room uh, where we kind of talk about how we might update this or, or change it a little bit. Um, Emily, you have some thoughts. Why don't you lay them on us? I think instead of like cutting to scenes where you see like evil Spock sitting there, like stroking his beard, being like, hmm, what is Kirk up to? Um, Kirk is just like, I think Spock's onto me. And they're like, no, no, there's no way he suspects. And it becomes this like thing of paranoia where Kirk's like, we have to get out of here. I don't know who I can trust. And like, they don't make it clear until the end. And then you could cut out that weird part where Spock mind melds with McCoy and instead like meets them up and is like, I've been following you. I knew that you were up to something fishy. What is it? Like, here's all my evidence. Yeah. What's going on. And then I think it would have been good if uh, they were going to take Marlena because like she does something and Kirk's like, you're right. You're not an evil person. This is just like, you know, you've been, put in this horrible situation you've been trying to survive like you're right come with us and then when spock shows up she's like i'll distract him you go and she like sacrifices herself more purposefully Mm. 
Yeah. Or, or two, you were talking about kind of Spock, like bringing evidence to them. That might be a good point too, to where Kirk decides to take a chance on Spock and kind of gamble that he's a good person. So that's yeah. a good like relationship moment for, for Kirk and Spock. Or even just if it's like the longer I'm here, the more I start to suspect everybody and I start to become, you know, like violent and like, I need to get out of here. Like then it becomes like the urgency is all within the characters. Like Kirk's like, I'm being corrupted. I can't keep watching my back like this. There was the first draft of this episode was kind of similar to that where um, it wasn't an evil universe. They just had some like different technical abilities. Like they weren't as technically advanced as the other universe. Um, But um, the, the universe that they find themselves in, it's just Kirk and he's being rejected like a germ or like a foreign body. So Mm. he has to work with alternate universe Spock to like get himself back. Mm. I like this draft a lot more, but that's an interesting one to think of like Kirk being like completely isolated and uneasy and rejected. That would be a good. He's being like poisoned. Yeah. Yeah. That would be a a good, like um, Kirk gets humbled, but he won't get humbled. <laughs> I thought it was perfect. But yeah, no, it was a super great episode. Loved it. It definitely like this is one of the top Star Trek episodes. Wait, I have one more thing I want to yeah. say, though. No. So we talked about in one of our captain's logs, like, why is there a mirror universe? And maybe Mr. Shatner has talked about this in his books. But like, so so when Kirk goes to the to the evil universe, he calls down to the planet of the old men. Um, to try and buy some time and they are exactly the same. So it's not like everything's on its head. It's really just the enterprise and the, um, the Federation has been flipped on its head as as far as I can tell. So that means that the difference is something about something happened in the Federation, maybe hundreds of years ago. What was that thing that, that created this evil splinter and I would love to learn if there's like, if that's like actually like codified, if, if there's something that's there or if it's kept kind of loosey goosey. That's definitely a good question. I, kn- I know you've seen it, but there's the Enterprise series. Um, they do a one and two parter of a Mirror Universe episode. And in that one, they show the initial meeting between Vulcans and humans and instead of greeting the Vulcans, the humans bum rush the Vulcan, get a hold of their ship, and then um, kind of revert and then like take over the Vulcans. Uh, but it seems like even before that moment, that it was like Earth was already corrupted and evil before that. The split had happened before mm-hmm. that. So something happened. And I think in our captain's log, we said some sort of event corrupted humanity, like in the 1500s or something yeah. like that. So give us a call, Paramount. We'll write we'll it for you. But I mean, this goes back to my partner's complaint about these evil universes is that like, oh, so Hitler sneezed on a Tuesday instead of a Wednesday and now everything's different. And he's just like, why would it just be slightly different instead of like deeply like everyone is just evil? Yeah, well, uh, to like one of my biggest problems, too, is that like these universes are like so parallel even though like the choices people are making throughout everything is like completely different. Like you still have like an Ohura and a Spock and that sort of thing. And it makes sense when it's only like one inflection point, you know, where you only have one contact between the two. 
But then when you have start having more and more episodes that take place in the mirror universe and this one, you're like, why is everything so similar, but also so different? Like all these choices should be different or you should be being like totally different people who are evil. Yeah. I mean, it is once again, you just have to accept that parallel universes happen and you can't think about it too much because as you said, it falls apart. Mm-hmm. But I, I was just going to say, I do feel like the, um, you know, you're in a parallel universe because someone has different facial hair and the uniforms are slightly different. Like that does get carried through to all the Star Treks. And I do kind of like that about it. <laughs> <laughs> Any other thoughts, guys? So all like right. That. Well, that's it for this episode. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us. We love you. And until we see you next time, keep on trekking. We love you. We I love you. We love, we love you. Good night. We love you. Good night. But we don't love each other. Wait, what if we all said we love you in a monotone voice at the same time? Let's try that. Three, two, one. We love you. We love you. you. We need to practice that. <laughs> all right, I'm going to try. <laughs>